Let's clap to just give him some glory. Would you do that? Amen. That all you got? If Jesus walked into the room, is that all you got? That's better. That's better. All right. All right, look at your neighbor and say, one out of three people are, are ugly. And you're not one of them. All right, you may be seated. I love the way the Holy Spirit of God works, bringing revelation. Bringing ideas to our heart and to our mind through His Spirit, by the Word of God, in circumstances, through people. I was seated in a, in a chair in a hotel in France. The windows were open, and there was construction going on not too far away. And I began to smell smoke come in through the window. Although that's unusual, I wonder if I should shut the window. Because I wondered if the room would be filled with smoke and I would smell like smoke. And I hesitated a minute. I was actually reading a, a particular book. And as I was reading this book, the next paragraph as I began to read, it said, we should have the atmosphere of heaven around us, of the kingdom around us, like smoke filling a room. I thought, well, what a marvelous just illustration the Spirit of God brought to me in advance. And I paused and I began to just kind of meditate on that a bit and think about that. And, and then all of a sudden it began to rain. I mean, not California rain. I mean, really rain. Just pouring down rain to the, to the point where I literally had to get up and shut the window because the rain was just blowing into the room. And I sat back and I began to meditate a little bit more on that. I went back to the book, went back to reading, and all of it said, all of a sudden, I began to read these words, and they began to jump out of the pages on this, of this book, and it said, and the Spirit of God in the latter days is going to bring a latter rain, going to bring a great movement, a great revival of, of His presence in, in, in power. I thought, it's so amazing. And then the rain stopped. It just shut off like that. I went back and I looked out just to see kind of how much rain had really come and I opened the windows back up and there was a cool breeze and I went back and I just meditated on that scripture in the book of Acts where it says that we may have those times of refreshing that come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. What we've come to understand is that we as believers, if we understand and believe this book, is we are to expect the impossible. Expect it. Not be shocked by it as though it were an odd occurrence, like rain in California would be an odd occurrence. But it would be a daily outpouring of the impossible becoming possible in our midst. Sometimes the tension we feel of where's God and why isn't God working faster is only God trying to stretch your faith and get you further down the road in his kingdom. We think God is not listening. No, God is listening, but God is more concerned about the development of your character and you being shaped after the image of God than he is of quick answers. You see, God is preparing his church for an eternal reign and rule with him in all of eternity. You cannot do that quickly and easily. 
There's something as we join this partnership with God where God gives us gifts, he gives us his spirit, he gives us his word, he gives us opportunity, and he wants us to learn how to realize that in the spirit and the power of God. We expect it, we don't know when, but we expect the impossible to happen. We also know that bold faith produces kingdom warriors. There's something about being bold for God and it does something to us. It changes us. I've been watching, as I know you have, and we've talked about it uh, numerous times here about just the, the tragedy that's going on, not only in, in the Middle East, but in Africa, where Christians are dying by the thousands, and yet they stand for their faith. Let me ask you, if you were in one of those villages in Iraq and your neighbor had just lost his or her life because they stood and would not bow the knee to Allah, what would you do? Would your first impulse be to run? Would your first impulse be to stand? I don't know if you realize this, but we're living not in a safe zone because we're in America. Do I think uh, in part to the prophetic timetable we're living in and the lack of really watch care from leadership, we're seeing infiltration of the same kind of ideology in America that is happening worldwide. I really do believe in our lifetime it could be that we are asked to stand in a not so comfortable way for Christ or deny him. The reason that we want to challenge you, the reason that we want to pour into you is not because it's the good and right thing to do. It is because we are preparing ourselves for the days ahead. We want to be strong, and, and whether you face a financial disaster, where you face physical uh, setbacks, or whether you face the challenge of your faith, it is important for you to know what the book says and how to stand and not simply be religious. Religion doesn't do you any good. It's only that, that stand on the rock faith in Jesus Christ that makes a difference. God understand this, believes in you before you ever believed in him. God believes in you. He knows what's inside of you. The riskiest thing God could ever do was to, to, to train up 12 guys and then leave. But he gave him a good word. He said, if I leave, then the, if I don't leave, then the comfort of the Holy Spirit, he can't come. And when he comes, he's with you now, but he will be in you. Now, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is in you, but he wants out. Amen? Let me try it again. Amen? Amen. You see, he wants to be released in power through us. He, he wants to be seen. He wants to change lives all around us. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are agents of the kingdom. We are brokers of the message of God. And God wants us to stand. In Luke chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, let's look at this story. It's a, it's a story that may be familiar to you, but hopefully we can bring some, some insights in and the Spirit of God can bring some things to your mind here that you haven't seen before. It begins in verse 22 with these words, Now it happened. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. Nothing unusual yet, right? Need to get to the other side? Let's get in the boat. And he said unto them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. 
Now, I want you to stop right there because what he was really saying was, I've got a promise for you. We're going to the other side. Do you know the Bible is a promise book? When God says something in his book, he wants you to understand it, listen to it, observe it, and take note. If God says you're going to the other side, where are you going? Let me try it again. If God says you're going to the other side, where are you going? You're going to the other side. Well, how come you get in the middle of the lake and you forget the promise and the storm comes up and you go, God, where are you? You see, you do that in life. We do that in life, don't we? Watch the story here. And they launched out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. I wonder if he did that on purpose. I really do. I look at that and I go, he knew what was getting ready to happen and he fell asleep. He was at peace just completely at rest, and a windstorm. And the, the Greek word there means a violent attack of wind. It wasn't like a little blowing of the wind. Now remember, these are seasoned fishermen, many of them, and all of a sudden, they're caught up in a storm that is so violent, it's, it's called a, a violent attack of wind. It came down, and literally, now this is what's really fun. Literally, the word there means it was sent down. It was sent it, just ha- it didn't just happen to come up. You ever been in the storm and go, man, I was out there and all of a sudden we were having a picnic and we're having all our family over and this wind just kind of came up and, and we had to close everything down. And we've had that happen, right? That's not this. This was sent by God. Do you know sometimes God sends windstorms in your life to test your faith and to take you to the new, next level? You see, you can't go to the next level if everything's really smooth sailing, can you? How's your life? Oh, great. Any Sibex? No, everything. How's your prayer life? Oh, not so good. Storm, how's your prayer life? Man, you cannot believe how I'm praying now. I am a diligent prayer warrior. I'm on top of it all day long, praying, trusting God, believing God, seeing God. And all of a sudden, the storm stops. How's your prayer life? It's okay. Storm, what happens? So he slept during a violent attack of the wind that was sent down on the lake and they were filling with water and they were in jeopardy. They were in danger. What happened? The boat's filling up. And they came to him and they woke him and they said, Master, Master. Now that word Master, Master is not the word for Lord. It's literally a word that just means an overseer. They weren't saying you're Lord. They weren't saying you're God. They're saying we're we're kind of on your team and you're leading the pack and, and, and you know, we've got a problem here and we don't know what, what to do. What do you think they wanted him to do? They'd seen miracles before. If you just look at Luke's passage, he's already probably worked six to eight miracles before they even got to this place. Maybe they wanted him to kind of bring him a little comforting, right? Hey guys, it's going to be all right. Been in these kind of storms before and everything's fine. I'm sure it'll all work out. And if it doesn't, you know, we're going to heaven. You ever had that kind of advice from people? I don't know. It's just never real comforting to me. You know, like, hey, I think it'll work out. If not, we're going to heaven. Yeah, I'm not ready. Right? I know where I'm going, but I I don't want to get on the bus yet. What did they want him to do? And it says here, they were perishing. You see, they forgot his promise because God said, Jesus said, we're going to where? Let me try it again. This is like remedial class 101. I've gone two weeks. You can't even talk. Seriously? Come on. All right. I'm going to have to have you stand up again if you just keep acting like this. All right. Don't make me do it. Go out there. Okay. Now, he said we're going where? The other 
You'll do anything not to stand up. I can't, you are so lazy, I cannot believe it. All right, now watch this. All right, he arose, and now look at this. He arose and he rebuked the wind. You know what's interesting about this? That little phrase right there, it says he rebuked. You know what that word means? We think it's like stop. That's not what it is. You know what this word is, this particular word? It means to show honor. He showed honor to the wind, almost as if he was saying, I know I sent you just a minute ago, but now my purposes are greater served. I want to show honor and you calm down. You see, there are times where God allows the wind just to run its course. There are other times where God sends something, and there are other times where God says, wait a minute, let me just show honor, and I want you to back off right now because we're done. Remember at the Red Sea? Here's, here's Moses, here's, here's uh, the Israelites, they're getting out of Dodge as fast as they can. They come to the Red Sea. Egyptians are hot on their path, right? And all of a sudden they begin to gripe, they begin to complain. They say, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. He looks up at God and goes, God, God, the people... And he goes, what are you waiting for? Tell the people to go forward. I empowered you, Moses. Now do something with the power I gave you. It's what he's saying to you. I empowered you. Now do something with what I gave you. Quit praying so much and start acting on what you already know. I don't know if you like that. You got kind of quiet. Quit praying so much and start acting on what you already know. You already know more than you want to be accountable for anyway. Hello? Yo, don't you already know of more about God's word than you want to stand before God and be accountable for? Do what you already know. See what God can do. Now look, he rebuked the, the wind and the raging water and they ceased and there was a calm. You know, the amazing thing about this was that Jesus could sleep through the storm. When you're at rest with God, when your faith is properly placed, you can sleep through any storm because it's not about circumstances. Where is your faith? Is it in the circumstances? Everything goes well, I got great faith or is it in God? Where's your faith? Circumstances are God, and they were afraid. Here's where we get the word phobia. Phobia is a Greek word. They were, they were like, oh, no, we're afraid. I almost wanted if Jesus wanted to go, you're fishermen. You're men. You need to go to a men's retreat. You got to stand up tall, gentlemen. You're afraid? They were afraid and they marveled. That word marveled means to stand there with your mouth open. You ever had those situations? I've had that when my daughter would bring home some of her old boyfriends. Are you kidding me? This is the best they got? Go back. You bring some more back in here. Saying to one another, who can this be? Isn't that interesting? They've traveled with Jesus now for a year or so, and they're saying, who can this be? They've already witnessed miracles. Who can this be? They called him earlier an overseer, not Lord. Who can this be that he commands? That means to direct the course of even the wind and the water, and they obey him. They listen to him. You know what they were doing? They were getting Lordship 101 classes. This is God. Did you notice 
Earlier, they weren't really afraid too much. But when they got God in their boat, they were very afraid. When you come into the presence of God, there's a certain level of fear that comes to you. Not of afraid run to the corner, but a respect that says, this is God. When Manoah met God, the angel of the Lord, he came back and he told his wife, he said, well, we should prepare to die. I've met God and no man can see God and live. There's something about coming into the presence of God that changes us. That's why we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit here even now. Holy Spirit of God, just be present. Have an awareness of God, not an awareness of church, not an awareness of of what's happening in this moment or not trying to think about what happens after church, but an awareness of His presence now. That we stand in the very presence of Almighty God. And our awareness of His presence increases as we invite Him in. We need to, to do this. We need to step in to the kingdom. You see, we exist to push the spiritual envelope that the kingdom of God might advance. We exist to push the spiritual envelope that the kingdom of God might exist and might advance. See, we want to create an environment where the supernatural power of God is normal. It's just normal. This next week, we will continue with some some ads we're doing on the radio. You've heard some of those. We've done about 40 of them already this week. We'll probably do another 60 this week. But one of the things I'm most excited about is we're going to put door hangers. I thought they were the goofiest thing in the world. We started putting them on people's doors, and people started showing up. I'm going, dang, this stuff works. A cheesy door hanger. This week, we're going to put 10,000 door hangers on. And on the front of it, it just says, do you need a miracle? And then you flip it over, and we've got six testimonies of people from this congregation who've been healed from cancer, from heart, from you name it. They're going to flip that over. They're going to look at that, and here's a little picture of somebody. My testimony is this is what Jesus did and the doctors didn't take credit for. You know, I really believe that it's the power of God that draws people unto salvation. It's not because we got a nice building or music or because you're like nice, likable, beautiful, handsome people. It's the power of God. I, want, I don't want to go to church. I want to go to the God. I want to get in the power and the presence of God. Amen? I want to know Him. You see, we are a rescue operation. That's what church is. We are a rescue operation for those who will pass from earth to hell unless they hear the story of Jesus Christ. No matter how many times somebody tells you no, you keep asking. You don't stop. They say, I don't want to go. Then you come back the next day. Hey, how'd you like to go to church with me? Hey, how'd you like to hear about Jesus? No, no, thank you. You keep going. You keep asking. You keep asking. You wear them down for Jesus. Because you are a rescue operation. Can you imagine if you're a lifeguard and you swim out to someone who's drowning and you say, hey, would you like to, some help? And they say no as they go down for the third time. What do you do? You take action. You rescue them. Churches to rescue people who are perishing. 
You know, the reason that we keep pushing the envelope, so to speak, and go to two services. Will everybody fit in here? Yeah, for a while until everybody shows up on the same week. You know why? Hey, we started in a living room two years ago. Think about that. We had a nice full living room. Let's just stay here. Got everything we need. Kitchen's close. <laughs> you know, we'll make the parking work. More people show up and then we'll just, I'll, I'll miss the next week. Won't be a problem. Just handy here. Got a low, low expense. Homeowners taking care of everything. Kind of like the 15-year-old that says, you know, I, I think when I graduate, I'm just going to live here at home and let mom cook for me and use your car and get a little spend of money. I'm happy the rest of my life. If you're like me, I'm going to say, you got that all wrong, son. There's an organization called the United States Military that will be happy to have you. They will give you clothes. They will give you food. They will take care of you. They will send you on marvelous vacations around the world, sometimes on ships and sometimes on planes, and, and, and it'll be a marvelous experience for you. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Hebrews 10, 25. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Confession is something you say, hey, I've got hope in Jesus. Let us hold fast the confession without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to, to love and good works. You see, we're, you know, the reason why the church gathers is we're supposed to, to encourage one another, not run out of here as fast as you can. You ought to make it a goal. I'm going to shake hands and encourage five people before I leave here every single week. Because that's what we're supposed to do. It says it right here. And then it says this, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day, the day of the Lord approaching. Can you see evidence of the days we're living in? Now, you know that I never make any reference to politics. But is the White House vacant? <laughs> One British citizen is killed yesterday, and Cameron calls an emergency meeting. What is going on in our world? The day is an unusual day that we're living in. It is time for us to rise up and be the best prepared, be the best prayer warriors we can possibly be, the strongest for the kingdom we ever could be. Amen? We started a school of ministry here about three months ago. We invited you to come and be a part of it. 65 of you came, said, I want to at least take that first six-week course. We're offering now the next six-week course. I want to ask you, every one of you, to be a part of it. I'd like to be able to say, we have to meet in here on Tuesday night because we got too many people to meet in our multipurpose room. Here's what it's on, Supernatural Power 101. Do you have all the power? Do you have an understanding of the Spirit of God the way you need to? If you say no, then you should be here. I was uh, getting my hair cut the other day, and I was sitting down there, and one of the, the, the guys came in, and he said, hey, it's just a great day. All my Sunday schedule is taken care of. 
I thought, I wonder what he's talking about. He goes, football season. I don't have to worry about anything. I got every Sunday planned now. I know what I'm going to be doing for the... Hey, that's great. It's going to do you a lot of good, the judgment seat of Christ. Greg looked at me and goes, what do you think of that? I go, I think that boy is, is, needs a wife. <laughs> wife, take care of that just like that. Now, I'll plan your Sunday. We, you, you just don't worry about that. I'll give you one with the guys, but we're going to take care of Sunday. That's all right. We're going to go see mom. And she doesn't like football. Sign up, School of Ministry, right after this service in the lobby. Take the class. Grow. Be a part of what we're doing here. Secondly, step out with your influence. Step out with your influence. Amos chapter 9 and verse 13. This is the most amazing scripture. Write this down. Note it. Look it up. Do something with it. Don't just look at me. Do something right now. Write it down. Everybody ought to be writing, moving, doing something, right? Got it? Listen to this. This is amazing. It says this. The days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. What is he saying here? When the plowman shall overtake the reaper. He's saying things are coming. In Amos's day, he said things are coming in the future. that are Things are going to be happening so rapidly that the guy who's plowing is plowing so fast that the reap, he's overrunning the reaper. Before the harvest is ever finished, the ground is being plowed again. Planting and harvesting are going on at the same time. He's saying there is coming a supernatural season on planet Earth. But I want you to understand something. As things begin to happen, understanding is happening more quickly. Have you noticed how knowledge increases, how technology is increasing at a rapid rate so fast you can't even begin to think what is going on? Here's what it's saying. As things begin to accelerate in our time, watch this. God, this is important, God's revelation will keep pace with natural revelation. If you think the world's moving fast, God's moving faster. They're out here with technology. There's new phones, new this, new that, everything going on. You're going, I can't even think. God is revealing himself faster than man is inventing something. God in the latter days is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. The scripture says, God says there's coming a latter rain movement of God. God says, I'm going to allow your, your young men, your young women, your old men, your old women, I'm going to allow them to see dreams and visions like never before in the latter days. God is speaking more now than he was 100 years ago. The, the rapidity of what God is doing is happening quicker and quicker and quicker. And as we see evil coming in, guess what? Righteousness is going to come in too. Yeah. We're going to stand out brighter and brighter in a dark day than we ever have before. Gone is the day where the average Christian, the good Christian, just kind of can float through life and think everything is well. You're going to stand out like a beam of light if you stand for Jesus. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening. You know what's happening over there in the Middle East right now? You know what's happening with ISIS? You know what's happening in Iraq? It's a precursor to what's coming at the end of the age. That's all. Revelation, you know what happens Revelation toward the end there? You have these saints that are beheaded for the cause of Christ, and they're crying out, and they're saying, oh, God, how long? How long till you vindicate us, God? How long till you do something, God? How long, God? 
You know, God says just a little bit more. It's coming just a little bit more. You see, when you see those things happening, they're only telling you what's coming down the road. The world changes. We just, we just don't get it as fast as some other parts of the world. Life is changing for us as believers. You see, but we are to be solution versus problem-oriented people. We are to seek a word from God. I'm going to show you something here. Luke chapter 1 and verse 36. You know the scripture? For with God, nothing is impossible. Now leave that up one second. I want you to see right below it, I put the Greek. What's unusual about this is it doesn't really fully translate in our Bibles what's really being said there. You see that word at the end, rima? That's a word revealed from the word. That word, you notice the word is not even translated in there. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Here's literally what it's saying. No rima spoken by God shall be impossible. In other words, when God gives you a word from his word, he says that will come to pass. That will be possible. Now let me show you how that word is used a couple other places. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rima... God, word revealed from the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, what does that mean? That means I'm reading in my Bible, and all of a sudden, I, I just randomly grab this from Jonah. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And I'm reading this, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God might speak to me and say, that applies to your situation. I'm going to take my hand of judgment off of you. I'm going to place my hand of mercy on you. That's a, that's a word from God's word. If that, if that was a word God gave me, I can hold on to that as a promise. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing not by this, but by a word from the word. You see, it's not enough for me just to read the Bible. I have, that Bible has to become real to me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, by the rema of God. When you see salvation comes, when you read the word of God, and all of a sudden God speaks to you and says, that is for you. You need to be saved. It's not for somebody else. You see, you can read the whole Bible, you can memorize the whole Bible and not have spiritual understanding. That only comes from the spirit of almighty God. When we were for those of you who don't know, those of you who are new, um, our third location, this is our fifth, I think that's right, or I think that's right, I get them all lost, we were like gypsies there for a while, but when we were at the theater, I remember walking out, smelling popcorn, it's wonderful, a lot of you loved it because they had those reclining chairs, the cup holders, and you could go to sleep until I shouted, then you'd wake up and look at me and... Go out and get cotton candy made. It was awesome. Went a little iPod, you know, a little machine. I remember walking out and I saw this ray of humanity, just humanity circling that we're not part of the church. They'd walk in and they'd look over and they'd think, what is that? This is not my theater. They've been taken over by aliens, <laughs> right? They're people with donuts. I want a donut, right? That's how we baited them. You get anybody to do anything for a donut. Amen? 
I'd love a donut right now. How about you? <laughs> Except over there, we cut them in half so because we knew people would just take a whole donut. And so we cut those donuts in half. Some of you remember that drama. That was fun. But I remember looking around, seeing all those people, and I remember the, the next week getting up and saying, do you realize what we have here? We are encircled by people who probably don't know Jesus. When you walk out here, you have a responsibility and an obligation to talk to them. We began to move and began to pray and said we need a place, and we thought the old Mervyn's, which is now Hobby Lobby, was going to be our place. And hundreds of you went out and you, we, we walked around Mervyn's. Talk about a freak show. You should have seen this thing. Not from my perspective, but from everybody else. They're going, why are those people walking around Mervyn's? And then they would stop and lay hands on a door and pray on a door. We didn't know we were doing prep work for Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Amen? We, we just thought it was for us. Who knew that God was going to bring one of the biggest, you know, Christian employers right in the next, right next door to us, and he had something else for us. So, you know, we're kind of, and then all of a sudden Hobby Lobby, we thought, what do we do here? We thought, that's great because we're back in the marketplace. We're back there in the middle of where everything is, and people have to come and see. Just like the theater, it was awesome. And then God took it away, or appeared to take that away, but he gave us something else. Then the post office came up, and I thought, oh, this will be great, you know, post office, and, you know, but uh, we're going to buy the post office. And we had all these angry people, they're mad at us, you're taking my post office. <laughs> no, 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 we're, we're renting back to the, we own the post office now, and we're just renting it to you, and you can get stamps from them just like you always did, and they're just going to pay a third of our mortgage. But you see, I didn't understand at that point until I set out in the driveway in the parking lot and I began to count the cars that drove through here. And at peak season, it's, at peak hours, it's 1.5 cars every minute have to drive in front of Influence Church, have to see a poster out front that said, God is not dead. They would wander in. They'd make their way in trying to figure out what is going on here. And I realized God had put us back in the marketplace. God gave us an opportunity I didn't even imagine. I've read this to you twice before. I read it to you in two transitions. I'm going to read it to you one more time. It's one of my favorite, favorite quotations, and it's, it's for us. I simply say, the cross must be placed again at the center of the marketplace, as well as the steeple of the church. I'm not claiming that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves. On the town garbage heap at the crossroads so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. At the kind of place where cynics talk smut, thieves curse and soldiers gamble because that is where he died and that is what he died about and that is where churchmen ought to be and what churchmen ought to be about. I'm not looking for holy huddles. I'm not looking to protect you from the world. I'm looking to thrust you into the world. I want you making friends with people that don't know Jesus and tell them about Jesus. 
If you think you're more spiritual because you get into a Bible study, you miss the point if that Bible study keeps you there and doesn't send you out into the neighborhoods, send you into your schools and send you in. That's what we're about. Jesus hung on a cross. They cursed him. He's hanging there on a cross. The one thief is looking at him and saying, if you're who, are you, who you say you are, then why don't you save us and save yourself? That angry crowd's looking at that stripped, naked Jesus. They cursed him. They yelled at him. They ridiculed him. They gambled for his very robe. Father, forgive them, for they do not owe what they do. And as that one thief turned to him, he said, remember me when you go into your paradise. There was no church around. There was just Jesus. Everywhere you go, you've got Jesus in you, with you, and around you. Lift up Jesus, and he will draw all men unto himself. Be the church that God called you to be. Let's be the influence in the world that God wants us to be for his glory and for his praise. Can you give him honor? Can you give him praise today? And let's say yes. Here's what I know. Here's what I know from a... Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. Transformed people transform. If you've been transformed, then you are a transformer. We're getting ready to go into phase two of our construction. We're going to enclose this whole loading dock area. We're going to expand uh, our facility because it's only been a year and it's time to get busy. Amen? Amen? Time to get busy. We're trying to figure out where to put a transformer. I think I got, I got 500 of them sitting right here. Transformers, where do you put them? You put them in your schools. You start Bible clubs. We got what, four or five starting? Four or five Bible clubs starting in public schools, weekly, impacting those schools for Jesus Christ. I pray that by the end of the year, we'll have six or eight of those started. I pray we'll take over the public school with the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm tired of just complaining about it and doing nothing about it, amen? This time we make a difference, and you can make a difference by prayer. You know, prayer is not playing fair by the world standards, because they don't know what hit them. We're praying. They're doing stuff they don't even know they're doing. Here's the second thing I want you to remember. Shape the world with the Spirit of God. So we were driving around France. There's rivers that move their way in different places, and you can look. If you get up high, you can look, and you can see how, how they've weaved and snaked their way around, uh, going around obstacles and finding where there is ground that is, is, is soluble. It is, is ground that allows the water to move. You see, just like water shapes the, ge the geography of a nation, so the Spirit of God shapes the spiritual geography of a city. You take the Spirit of God, you begin to move. All of a sudden, you hit an obstacle, things aren't working for you. You just make a little snake around it, you go over here. You make a little one around here, you go over here, you go over here, you go over here, you go over here, go over here, go over here. People say no, say yes. They say no, you say yes. Why not? Why not? Because you know why? One day, one day you're going to stand with a great multitude, Revelation chapter tell, tells us, Revelation chapter 5, a great multitude which no man can number. You're going to sing a new song, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and glory 
and praise, and on many of our heads there will be a crown of glory. And Revelation says those 12 and 24 elders that are gathered there before the throne, representative of the church of Jesus Christ, will take the crown from their head and they'll cast it at the Savior's feet and they say, you alone are worthy, O Lord. You alone are worthy. John looked and he was shocked when he saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. It was Jesus that crucified the lamb slain before the foundation of the world that he should receive power and glory and honor honor and everybody fell down and worshiped. And one day, one day you're going to stand there and I'm going to stand there. If you know Jesus, you're going to stand there and he's going to look into your heart like nobody can look into your heart. And he's going to ask a question. What did you do with what I gave you? Because to whom much is given, much will be required. Much will be required. What did you do with what I gave you. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, as we stand, we, we stand like one day we'll stand in your presence and then we will fall in your presence, God, knowing, Lord, that you alone are worthy. God, we'll stand there amazed, totally amazed, at who you are. But God, we don't have to wait till then. We can be totally amazed by who you are right now. God, I just pray that you will loosen our tongue and, and just release us, God, in this world to be kingdom people. God, I pray we'll have a burden for people that are lost, our friends, our family, our neighbors, God, that don't know Jesus, that will speak that message of Christ. It will draw people unto an understanding of who you are. 